Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historic and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. Now here's your hosts. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Don McKinnon of Legacy Church in Sutton, Massachusetts. I hope you don't mind. Uh, it is stifling in my office and I have a, a AC in the window which if I turn it off I am going to literally feel like I'm going to die. It is hot. Uh, we've had a number of hot days already uncharacteristically for Massachusetts. You can tell that my my chair needs to be replaced. It's squeaking. Um, it has done me well. I am it appears that I am headed down the long stretch of my seminary degree, and I am, oops, that just popped, uh, I am headed down uh, the home stretch, hopefully. I have a couple of things that I am waiting to hear on, but it, it feels good. It feels good to, to be at this point. With that, oh man, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Um, hopefully, uh, now that school is just about over, Eric and I are hoping to be uh, together to record. He is going to be teaching summer school. Um, I am not. Uh, my wife and I have a couple of ideas for some podcasts, which are going to come your way. So if you've enjoyed those podcasts, where my wife comes and she brings uh, church revitalization from the pastor's wife's perspective. Um, that's what we're planning on doing some more. But uh, Eric, Eric has been wanting to get back into the seat of uh, co-hosting, and um, he he has a couple of ideas of stuff he wants to talk about, discuss, and. Oh, excuse me. It has just been one of those things where life just gets you. You don't expect it. You don't know how it's going to be, what's going to happen, how is you know how is life going to happen? But things things go. So here we are, and um, I, I don't know if we can say post-COVID times. You know, um, the the states of emergency in a lot of states, um, probably close to 100% of them are in. And uh, I'm wondering, how are your churches doing? You know, what is your church? So for us, with our church, we have gone with kind of a fail-safe thing. We still have one section of seats that are... Uh, for social distancing, because we still have a few people that are, you know, just in that, in that regard, in that mindset. Um, we have, uh, everybody else, though, is mask-free and enjoying it. Uh, we took the ropes off that were separating the pews, and, yeah, it's just been, it's just been good, you know. It's, it's been a good uh, few weeks of freedom, um, but with that, 
with that said, um, what am I? What, what do I want to talk about today? And that is the, the question I think that's all on uh, everyone's mind. So, you know, we we could we could talk about uh, different things. Um, you know, I'm I'm in the SBC, and uh, we've just had our annual convention uh, in person, uh, which I am not able to go to because I'm bivocational and. Uh, you know that's that's kind of a sticking point with some people that um, they cannot attend because uh, you know they have to work, they have to earn a living, they have to provide for their family. Um, one of the candidates that was up for election had wanted to uh, correct that, and um, you know there's a lot of controversy right now, um, partially with who got elected partially with reports coming out that are pointing out to certain th certain possible things. I'm not going to say that those things are um, true at this point because I don't know. I'm, I can only go with speculation of what one report says, but, you know, there, there becomes these things. And so I'm kind of wondering, you know, they, like right now we talk about conspiracy theories fake news, um, a lot of things that have, have uh, kind of come into play, and I think, I think it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting as pastors, um, do we, do we really want to focus on that? You know, should we discuss it? Should we discuss about, um, when we're talking and we're bringing up all this stuff about, um, you know, the, the news, the, the possibilities, the rumors, you know, what leans too much into gossip, what leans too much into um, slander, you know, there becomes a, a, a thing, I think, where we, as individuals, as people, we begin to look at certain news sources as this is the the be all end all of my you know I, I don't I don't know how to quite word this correctly but you know you look at the world today um, you have you know twenty years ago it was Fox and CNN you know one was liberal and one was conservative so if somebody told you I was listening to Fox you automatically assumed that they were conservative and if they said I listened to CNN or watch CNN you would automatically you know assume that they were liberal it's not really that way a lot there are people um, and I'm not talking about moderates but you know, if we want to call them that, you know, there are people who are moderately, like they want to have a good educated guest, so they will listen to both sides and they will distill the information down to something that they believe to be the truth of the matter. Because, you know, we know this old saying, you know, about there's three sides to every story. There's his side, her side, and the truth. And I think that's, that's what's really sharply happening within churches and I don't want to get 
too political in this, but I think we are at an age right now, and I think we might have to we might have to revisit um, the generational theory that I've had, um, not in this podcast, but at another podcast. But I think we have to revisit that in that when we look at these 80-year cycles. Now, I was just at a rally last um, last Saturday where this was discussed, that there is always these 80-year cycles. And it's amazing. Like, if you read the Strauss-Howe book, and this is all I'm going to get into it, but if you read the Strauss-Howe book, they include in their um, key changes into the direction the reformation the great awakening as parts of that and so it's really easy to look at that and look at the churches and then distill where we are at and we are at an 80 year cycle ending and so we look at what's going on in churches right now we look at and i I mean yeah i can focus on my own denomination the sbc but Here's why I want to bring this up on a revitalization podcast is we look at um, how all this stuff is being played out in the media. And we know that right now there is there is a great frustration with people. How do we bring these generations, um, these Gen Zers, these millennials back into the church? And this is what I think we have really uh, forgotten um, about within churches. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, we, we're trying to appease people. We're, we're trying, you know, in, in truth, if we're, if we're honest, uh, what, is, what has happened and... Um, you know, J.D. Greer said this kind of in his um, farewell speech, if you want to say it, State of the Union. Like it or not, I have to agree with this. Um, but I probably differ from him in certain ways. But how I differ with this is, you know, what, well, what he said was he talked about there being a Phariseeism within the church. And I think it's important to know that there is a point where we want to be biblical and we want to um, stay true to the course. You know, we want to look at things out there that are being taught and realize that if we compare it to Scripture, as much as you can say, well, no, this, this, this certain ideology is true and if you look down at it it in its heart it's biblical but when you look at certain things within the bible you sit there and you say no this this really isn't because what this is saying really is that the bible is not enough and so you look at the Phariseeism that's going on, and what is happening is we are having a sharp divide, and the sharp divide is we have people who are on the left, people who are on the right, 
And um, they're not able to now meet in the middle. What is happening is you have extremism in these. So if you think about this politically, on the political spectrum, you have conservatives and liberals. But then on the liberal side, we throw in the left. And uh, I believe it's David Prager on uh, Prager University has said, if you really look at it, liberals are more moderate than left, you know, left-leaning people. Leftists are socialists, they're Marxists, they're these political ideologies. Then if you look at the conservatives, you have the conservatives, which are will lean a little bit moderate, but then you have the alt-right, which are the extreme... Um, I don't want to... I, I, I actually just had a discussion at the men's group. We don't want to say nationalism, but there is a, a, a uber-patriotism among them. And... So you look at these four groups and you can actually distill this down into the church. And it's important to understand this, that we see these groups in the church, but we don't use them on their political leanings. And this is where I think Greer was right to say there is this Phariseeism in the church, which I would put with the alt-right, which is going against the ultra-lib or ultra-liberal thinking where they're bringing in stuff that isn't really biblical into the church and what's happening is too many people are leaning hard into those and they're not looking at the you know fair side of things so what we might do is uh, you know the people who are more of the moderate on both sides would agree that you know the church should be the one that's helping the widow and the orphan because that is in the Bible that is biblical and too many churches if you look even at the group that would be the alt-right the pharisaical they're like well go get a job you lazy bum and you know that's not right because we don't know we don't know why they're they're unable to and we look at what the church did in the New Testament we see that the church helped the widow and orphan uh, we don't know if it was for a short time. We don't know if it was long term, but they still help the widow and orphan. And so when we look at today's churches, they're not helping. They're not doing those things. Now, I'm not saying this to be, you know, woke or ultra liberal, liberal here. What I'm saying is when I read the Bible, I see this, but I don't see this going in in a lot of churches. Now, you might say that, well, this is going on in my church. Okay, and that's great. I'm glad it is, but I don't see that happening in all churches. I don't see that happening in a lot of churches because those churches have basically become country clubs. Those churches have basically become, um, you know, feel-good, moralistic, message-pounding um, bastions of, you know, feel-good while the world around you is, you know, falling apart. And that's not what we need right now. What we need is a church that is going to be united and a church that is going to share the gospel and a church that is going to know that there are things out there that have to be handled and have to be handled in a right fashion. So when we look at what's going on right now 
I really feel that we are on the cusp of something because what I'm seeing out there is I'm seeing this thing where even if I know, you know, like, and I'll say this, I'll say this. If I know a person is really orthodox in their faith, you know, there's no doubt this guy, this guy will defend Christ's virgin birth, you know, to the last breath. But because this person turns around and says, but we need to be helping people in our community find ways of getting food or something. There are people on the far right in the church that will say that person is woke. And then if we look at people on the far left that saying to rely on the government and the church is saying you know, the, the person in the church is saying, well, no, there are certain things that the church is supposed to be able to do and provide that we've just, you know, let the, let the government become a crutch for us doing that. In other words, you know, they understand that what the government is doing for, for in certain areas is stuff that biblically is commanded the church to do. They'll say, you're not woke enough. And that is the hard thing. So where are we going? What are we doing? Where is the world headed? Where is the church headed? And that's the thing. I don't think we know. You know, this is this is this is the way I see it. You know, I see this as both a a pastor and as a historian. I look at what history has taught us about the church, and I look at it, you know, uh, with Luther and and Calvin and Zwingli and all of them, there were things in the church at the time that really upset them that caused the, the Protestant Reformation. And then we look at, um, you know, and we look at how that was. You know, those guys were considered heretics. Those guys were considered, you know, wrong however you want to look at it they were considered to be in the wrong of all that was going on and so we look at that and we say okay but then you go down and you go down into the um, great awakening and you see uh, what was going on in the churches at the time, and you see that it is a certain, again, a certain group of men, um, Wesley, Whitfield, Edwards, you know, to name a few, that were the leaders at that time of the Great Awakening. And then we go down more, you know, the Second Great Awakening, the Third Great Awakening. We keep looking down, and we're we're at this point now where I think what has happened and you know this is where we look at church revitalization and you know we're trying to find um, the perfect formula the perfect way that everything's going to come together and work together for the church and we do not know what is going to work um, it's going to be trial and error there's going to have to be some people that become voices uh, for the church. Now, I'm not just talking about revitalization. I think revitalization is going to happen um, because I think what's what we're going to see is we're going to see 
you know, I hate to I hate to put it this way, but if I look at the eras of the church, we see that there always is church splits when stuff happens. If we look back 80 years ago, well, actually almost almost 100 years ago, if we look at um, what happened with the church, we look back um, 18 no 1929, and we look at what was going on there. And what we see is we see Jay Gresham, um, Macon, Machen, and how it is that Princeton had been this bastion of truth for so long, and basically the Presbyterian and Reformed um, people there felt it was time to go, and they went and they started Westminster Theological Seminary, and it led to... Um, kind of a, a new awakening. We see the birth of fundamentalism. We see uh, it becoming a sharp split between fundamentalism and liberalism. And um, it goes this way down to evangelicalism, down to where we are today. And it's not that we're saying that, um, you know, what, you know, where we're going, we don't know, but we keep seeing this, this cycle and so here we are, uh, that now it's 90 years later, so we've been in this kind of cusp of something that's going on and changing and everything else. And what is this that's changing? And we see the battle lines being drawn. And in the battle lines being drawn, um, it's going to be interesting. But in, in all of this, and this is what I was what I'm pointing out is the church is split and so people went so what happened was we saw churches that were almost empty the pastor of the the conservative side goes in there and the people flood in there and that's what I think is going to happen in a lot of the revitalizations you know a lot of the churches in need of revitalization I think that you know you might see it also on the other side but, you know, we cannot tell you when it's going to happen. I can't tell you how it's going to happen. I can't tell you where it's going to happen. But what I can say is this, that we are seeing cracks and fissures form, um, birthing pains happening, all sorts of things. And for a pastor in revitalization right now, you need to have your ear on the ground. You need to understand. You need to choose a side and choose wisely. You need to understand that what's going on right now is something that is going to um, basically uh, guide the church for the next 80 years. You know, we're going to see something that happens and how that happens, I don't know. You know, where it's going to happen, I don't know. But we are, we are about to see some things happen and you know we've been seeing it for a while if you if you're in the SBC you've seen it for a while I know my Nazarene friends and brethren they've been seeing it go on in their church we've been seeing it go on in other churches and um, it really is I, I, I you know I don't want to I don't want to be a bummer I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on this but it is just an interesting time right now and I think if we are not becoming more aware if we are not looking 
with right eyes, if we are not understanding where a lot of this stuff is going and uh, educating ourselves. Like, it was interesting today at our men's breakfast, uh, we have a young man, 24 years old, he's getting into politics, and he basically was saying something that it led to um, several of the men pointing out to him that he did not understand the truth of, of certain situations because he hasn't been taught that in high, you know, he wasn't taught that in high school. And that he was making assumptions that were actually false. And I think that's what's going on within a lot of speculation and stuff going on in the church is people are making, um, you know, speculation and stuff based on false ideals that are out there because, um, you know, some people want to be cool and some people want to be uh, sensitive to, to what's going on. But again, we look at scripture and what scripture says and how that plays out. So my main point is this, you know, we're looking at what's going on. Uh, we look at CRT in churches right now, and it has become a huge dividing line. Um, my personal standing on this is this. I am, I am a person, uh, you know, my last name is Scottish. Uh, I am, uh, how would I describe this? My, my last name is Scottish, even though it's MC, it should be MAC, but the um, Scottish Lords had a way of doing things where if a person was uh, born illegitimately, they would take the A out to show uh, an illegitimate line. So uh, I am the, you know, great, 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 great grandson of a, an illegitimate child to a Scottish clan chief. And, um, you know, I bear that mark. I bear that scarlet A. It doesn't define me. I'm still Scottish. I'm still, you know, Donald McKinnon of the clan McKinnon, and I am... Um, very proud of my Scottish heritage. I'm proud of my Irish heritage. I'm proud of my English heritage. You know, my grandfather was a Mancurian from from Manchester and didn't know how to pronounce all his his uh, words as it would be, and uh, you know, still preach the word of God. And um, you know, it doesn't define me. My my faith is mine. My understanding of God is mine. You know, I had good, uh, good role models in my grandfather and my dad. But my point is this: now, my um, grandmother's mother, my great grandmother, was um, was Dutch Jew, and so. Um, I can say this because I am Jewish. Um, I can say this word that I'm going to say. Um, you know, if you ever know, for our, our black brothers and sisters, there is a certain word that, um, if you say it, it is a slur. It's the N-word. Um, 
you know, you say that, you're, you're showing a lot of hate to a person. I think we all agree with that in the church. But uh, for, for Jewish people, there is a certain word, and it goes back to Germany, which, um, you know, if you know anything about the Holocaust, it is a horrid um, time. But there was a word that the people in Germany came up with as what I call the Jewish equivalent to the N-word. Um, and this word is the K-word, and uh, it is kike. And I have been called that because uh, of people who were racist, who learned of my Dutch Jew ancestry, and, uh, you know, which is Ashkenazi, if, if you want to be true to it. Um, they found out about that, and uh, they uh, tried to use that against me, to hurt me, to shame me, to, you know, control me. But it doesn't control me. You know, I'm not defined by a racial slur based on my racial background. I look at the scriptures and I see what Paul says when he says there is no more Jew nor Gentile. So when we talk about it, when we talk about, you know, all people being the same, you know, you can take the skin off and you look at the flesh and blood and bones of the person, everybody is still the same. And so when I look at the Bible as a Jewish American, Dutch Jew American, Ashkenazi Jewish American, I do not look at it as anything special or different requiring people to uh, pay me you know, uh, whatever it is, reprovations, you know, um, you know, I'm not looking to Germany to give me money for, um, you know, the deaths of ancestors, friends, family that um, I never knew. You know, I'm sitting there and I am defined by what God has made me to be. I am defined by where God has called me to go, where God has called me to pastor and so we look at these things and we can say that people you know need to to understand this but here's here's the kicker and this is where I'm gonna leave us off today we have not done a good thing of discipleship if we are honest with ourselves we have suffered poorly in discipleship because if we were doing discipleship properly and we can talk about it we can say oh but there's this version and this version and this version let me tell you I'm surrounded in my office I've got probably over a thousand maybe fifteen hundred books in my library right now I look at it and I have a section on discipleship. And I can look at that and I can say, you know, I, I mean, I've heard it. There, there are, you know, there are so many different ways of doing discipleship. So many different... Listen. 
I don't doubt that there are people who learn certain ways. I am a teacher also. If I didn't know that, I wouldn't agree with it, that people learn in different ways. But <clears throat> the thing is, we have gotten so far away from the Bible. If discipleship was as simple as doing a community group, if discipleship was as simple as just having people come to Bible study, then why is biblical illiteracy at its highest within the church? You know, people hear Joan of Arc and they think it's Noah's wife. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And here's what we need to understand, people, is that the church needs to get back to the Bible. It needs to get back to basics. It needs a revival and a reformation. And when we talk about church planting or replanting or anything else, none of that is going to matter until we can have a solid plan of discipleship that is going to turn this country and this world around from the course it's going. Because we look at all the feel-good, all the moralistic stuff that's been going on within the church, and I'm not just talking about the Joel Olstein stuff. There's a lot of that even in our own churches. And it needs to stop now. And we need to get back to the basics of the Bible so that people can read it and understand it. Get back to you know, not don't don't give them a book by so many authors on how to live a good Christian life. Give them a good theology book so they can understand the Bible better, so that they can live a good Christian life by understanding what the Scriptures require of them. This is Don McKinnon for the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast saying goodbye.